It's time for the show that brings the magic right to your speakers. Ears up! Everybody, welcome to the show. Let me tell you, we got a cool show for you guys today. Uh, we talked about this. Um, sorry, I'm trying to dial it. Man, I need to get that stupid thing with the faders, man. I'm tired of these knobs. I have like five knobs to work right now, so I apologize for the delay. Anyway, we talked to you guys about Floyd Norman, who was an animator at Disney. And he got fired and came back and got fired again and came back, <laughs> and he kind of just doesn't leave. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's a documentary out called Floyd Norman and Animated Life. It's on Netflix. Highly recommend it. We have the filmmakers on the show tonight. So we're going to talk to them about Floyd, talk to them about the movie, and uh, they're running a contest, actually, too. Uh, I, I believe it coincides with the release of the Blu-ray um, of the film. But it, it's a it's it's a rad film. I don't like a lot of things. You guys know this by now. Um, I really like this movie. I, I, I think it's great. And uh, we were talking to them just before we went live. And I was like, I think everybody in this room wants to just be Floyd's posse. For real. And I, and I think that, that most people who meet the guy feel that same way, which is why mm-hmm. he doesn't get asked to leave. Right. <laughs> you know? I, know. I feel like if I, I feel like if I just went back to the, some of the places I worked at, they'd be like, bro, <laughs> uh, you know, look, we really appreciate it, but here at Thrifty Ice Cream Company, we don't really, <laughs> you know, we don't really approve of this, uh, no, no, it's fine. Black Cherry, I got it. I'll, I'll, it's fine. Fine. Cops oh, have come. Goodness. It'd be a whole thing. Man. It would be a whole thing. <laughs> so I'm 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 pretty excited to talk to them. But I got like four pages of notes, and I think it's uh, I'm, I'm probably too much. But uh, I like taking notes sometimes. Uh, anyway, uh, thanks for joining us, everybody. You can find us iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, all that kind of stuff. We're on all across all social media. Uh, if you have feedback, goes to Taryn. Compliments goes to Terrence. You can say hi Hello. to Bev. Anything else comes to me, Jason. Ears up. Hyphenpodcast.com. I'm breezing through all this stuff because I got the guys on the other line, and uh, I want to get to them. Right now they're uh, they're in on the west coast or the east coast rather, so uh, it's already really late for them. Plus, after we talk to them, we're going to have a Spectro time with Jeremy from Spectro Radio. He's going to talk to us about some things, some musical things. Uh, it's going to be a good show. It's going to be a long show, uh, and I'm really excited about it. I'm super excited. Yeah, I'm mainly excited because after we're recording our secret show for our Patreon supporters, <laughs> I'm um, extra excited. <laughs> and uh, you know, I won't tell you the drink. Maybe it'll slip, but I'm really excited to. It's going to be good to drink heavily it's, on a Thursday. It's my drink of choice, as well as somebody else's. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think it's going to be good, man. Anyway, okay, let's get right to uh, the show here. We have Michael and Eric. Are you guys there? Yes, sir. How are you? Perfect. We are here. Thank you for having us. <laughs> no problem. Thank you guys for joining us again. It's so late, but uh, I, I, I really, really appreciate it. <clears throat> Our pleasure. So we're going to chat. Happy to be here and talk about Floyd. Perfect. You know what? So are we. I remember, so we do a segment called Disney News. Very, very uh, original name. And um, I remember uh, doing this story on Floyd, and I believe either the, on the film or maybe it was pre-film. I can't remember what the, film, the, yeah. the point of the story was about. Maybe when I mean, he was doing his press tour or something. 
I don't know. Anyway, and we're like, wow, what an interesting dude. Yeah. I would love, and I think I may even said it on the show. I would love to make a movie about this guy. Yeah, and. There we go. I don't have to do it now. I can I can return all the money to the fam- to my family. Yeah, because that was going to well, happen. It was, it was so shocking to us that nobody had. Yeah. Eric had, had met Floyd in 2013 at uh, San Diego Comic Con when he was coming off of his last documentary, and uh, you know he was amazed by all the stories that Floyd was telling. And then I came into the picture because we had a mutual friend. And I was coming off another movie, and I said to Eric, you know, what's next for you? And he pitched a bunch of ideas, and of those four or five ideas, Floyd's story, like, hit me like a bolt of lightning. And then I went and did my due diligence, and I was like, oh, my God, no one has made a movie about this guy. <laughs> and then we just jumped on it right away, and within four or five weeks of our first conversation, we were sitting there filming with Floyd. Wow. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I was definitely blown away when I first met Floyd because he – you know, he brought up this amazing career that he had working at Disney and Hanna-Barbera and then Pixar, but, but really floored me was when he casually brought up that he worked with Walt Disney on The Jungle Book. Yeah. And, uh, and I just thought, oh my God, you worked with Walt Disney? In uh, The Jungle Book was my favorite animated film, so I was, it was so great to team up with Michael and, and make this movie about uh, Floyd and, uh, and go shoot with him on the Disney lot and, and floiter with him. Which, uh, yeah, it's man. fun. I, I could tell you that. We can... Uh, it seems like it, you know, and, and, I, you know, we watch a lot of movies here on Years Up and a, a, a lot of documentaries, but it's, it's rare to find the documentary that, that reflects the persona of the person. Yeah. You know, those are the really well-made stories where you can, you, you feel like you know that person. It's not just a matter of, hey, this is what this guy did. Right. And this is why he's so cool and this is right. why you should watch our movie. It's just, you get Floyd's personality <clears throat> from, from the jump. And, and I, you know, I think it's, it's, uh, that's really good storytelling. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, it doesn't It doesn't hurt that Floyd, it seems like the most open book in the entire history of yeah. the Dewey Decimal System. But, um, I, I think- well, it's so funny because we've had experiences where we've done Q&As after screenings, and uh, people have actually been combative. When we were doing our Oscar push back in the late fall, we actually had one person go, there is no way Mr. Norman could be this nice. Like, they didn't believe that he was actually that guy, and they thought we like totally like over-editorialized and we're like, no, if he was here right now, you would totally see, like, this movie like is like spending an hour and a half with a real Floyd Norman. So we're glad you feel that way. Well, yeah, and I didn't get the yeah, impression at all that he was disingenuous at all. Like, it seemed, like, it seemed so honest, and I, I loved that. No, he's, that's who he really is. I mean, we were so grateful that even his friend said, wow, you really captured Floyd, and I mean, he's this amazing talent who's had this amazing life, but what's so great is that he still loves art, he still loves drawing, he still loves animation, and and he loves sharing these stories. He loves talking to a younger generation and sharing these stories of his, of his life. So we're, we're so glad you feel that way, that you feel like you know him after watching the movie. Yeah, for sure. And, and you know, there's a couple of moments uh, I like looking through story for, for just those moments, right, that, that feel right or that capture everything. And when he's talking about his history, about the stuff that he's drawn, and you have him at the animator's desk, drawing it yeah i was like whichever one of you came up with that is a genius like to me that is 
that's perfect because you have the guy doing the thing that he's talking about having <laughs> done, but he enjoys doing. It's this whole. Uh, I, it was perfect. It was perfect. Yeah, it was. It was. It was like that was probably my that favorite was our moment. First day. That was our first day of filming with him him drawing, and uh, it is amazing seeing a Disney legend at at the at the drawing board doing it, and uh, he can he can knock out these amazing drawings really really fast, and we were just uh, blown away by his by his talent. He must have done a hundred drawings that day, I think, right, Michael? Yeah, he really, you know, he, you would classify these as quick sketches, but even his quick sketches are so great. You know, he'll rattle off a Mickey or a Donald or a Goofy in like 10 seconds flat. And, um, you know, there's a lot of different levels to his creativity. I mean, he's one part physical artist, but then he's also got the, the story man brain where, you know, he's a creative storyteller. So, you know, his, what, what makes him so interesting is not just his time at Disney, but really the accumulation of like so many different roles in so many different places, uh, in animation over so many years. You know, a lot of people come into the movie thinking the whole movie is going to just be about a man at Disney. And then when they realize, oh my gosh, that's only kind of like the first act. And then the movie opens up until like, you know, we lovingly always say, and, and, and Gary Trousdale, the co-director of the original uh, animated Beauty and the Beast, says it, he's the Forrest Gump of animation. Yeah. And it's true, because he's been a part of everything you can think of. And, I mean, that's really, you know, what makes him very special. Yeah, well, and, you know, he leaves a job, um, what, after, oh, God, I'm looking through my notes right now. I can't remember. I think after Sleeping Beauty, maybe, or something like that. And starts off with his friends to have a production company, and he just goes right in the middle of the Watts riots yeah. and starts shooting video yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and making video. And after, after Jungle Book. After Jungle Book. Okay. Yeah. And I'm like, and he, what kind he of maniac? He started his own company, uh, and they did a lot of great stuff. They did black educational films mm-hmm. at a time when they were really desperately needed. And they uh, and, and Floyd and uh, his partner Leo uh, from that company did the uh, animated intro to Soul Train, yeah. which uh, we totally geeked <laughs> out about because he didn't tell us that until halfway through shooting. We're at lunch with him, and he's like, Oh, do you know I did the animated intro to Soul Train? And we were like, what? That has to be in the movie. It stopped me in my tracks when you guys said that because I grew up on that show. And it was amazing. It was, I actually went back and watched a couple of episodes of after did. I saw that. You got some movie show. Don Cornelius? Come on, dude. That's right. a great show. <laughs> Yeah, he's be, he's been a part of of so much, like you said, not just the Disney stuff. He's a, he seems like the most well rounded kind of yeah. non braggadocious, right? Famous. That's not a word. Guy, braggadocious. <laughs> braggadocious is absolutely non braggadocious. May not be, but uh, there's a hyphen there. It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. It's all right. Uh, but I, I what I liked a lot about uh, about the film is is you you. It seems like this person Floyd ha- he's so open, and his family's sort of open. His wife is probably. The second most open book yes. in the entire universe. Oh, she kind of was amazing. She's, yeah, it's, it, both of them actually were. But His like, ex-wife, yeah, yeah. In, in the first, in the first, I, I forget, maybe ten minutes or whatever. Uh, I think one of you guys asked him, "Do you love Floyd coming to work?" I was just gonna talk. About and she goes, I, "I'm, I'm used to it." Yeah, <laughs> which is the most perfect answer. How, how would you like to see? Yeah, your usually spouse? when we are in an audience, you know, in a theater, that gets a big laugh. Yeah, yeah I mean, she. She's like, when we went in, you know, it's like when you make a documentary, it's such an organic process and you kind of figure things along the way because 
you know, you go down one path and then suddenly someone goes, well, you know, you need to talk to this person, this person, this person. So it takes down a rabbit hole that splits in six different directions. So you're, you're kind of figuring out the players along the way. Little did I think Eric and I know because she in person, when we first got to know Adrian Floyd's wife, um, she seemed very reserved and kind of, kind of was quietly just observing in the corner. But as we all got to know each other, like that kind of very honest, blunt self that everyone sees in the movie came out. And all of a sudden it was like, oh, my God, we have a co-star here. <laughs> you know? And I don't think Eric and I expected that at all. Yeah. And, and then yeah, and she's th- amazing. She tells it like it is. And I, I love that. And she's an extremely talented artist in her own right. She works at Disney Publishing and does all these great Disney covers. But, uh, yeah, she, she's definitely hilarious. What you see in the film of Floyd's wife, Adrian, is who she really is. She, she just calls stuff out. And it's great. I'm, I'm glad to hear it. I'm really glad to hear it, man. And it. it it sounds like uh, it was just kind of writing itself almost <laughs> as far as like where the thing goes. And you know, when she's talking about how she basically uh, takes full responsibility for creating Floyd the way he is now. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, wow. Stop dyeing well, your hair, well, change your glasses, honestly, put on the fedora. Put on this hat, by the way, too. Dang, girl. Yeah. Well, and even his ex-wife gives her credit for that. Yeah. Too. And, and, and she's that, a little bitter, though. She seemed a little bitter. Well, I, I guess that's what I mean about about the relationships and, and, and about how how open this guy is and it kind of also you guys dip into a little dark places yeah which is is great there's a little tension there mm-hmm. when both ex-wives agree <laughs> that uh <laughs> you know hey uh uh floyd probably was gonna spend the rest of his life with his first wife right but they just right. weren't the same person anymore and they yeah. kind of grew up and then floyd goes on marries his second wife i forget her name i'm sorry Adrian. Adrian. Okay. Uh, and then, uh, and then Floyd comes back from traveling with her, talking to his first wife, and she's like, I wanted to do those things with you. Right. I was, oh, I wanted to, I wanted to give her a hug. Yeah. I felt so bad. But, but they seem kind of okay with it now. And they seem like, are they, are they all chummy? Are they kind of friends or? The movie definitely brought them closer together. Uh, to our knowledge, and Eric, you can confirm this, I think in the span of like 20 years that Floyd and Adrian had been together, I think Belle, his first wife, and Adrian had been in a room together like three or four times. Is that about right, Eric? Yeah, they didn't spend a lot of time together. I mean, they had to deal with each other occasionally. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Michael's right. They got closer uh through the making of the movie. And uh, so that was a long process for them in their personal lives to get to, get to that point. <laughs> although, when, although when Belle first saw the movie uh, theatrically and Floyd was there, she said to him, get your lawyer ready. <laughs> she was joking. She was totally oh, joking. Okay. But, right. but, but when, we, when we asked Floyd, like, you know, how did Belle like it? He goes, oh, I think she liked it. Although she said, get your lawyer ready. <laughs> <laughs> Probably drew a comic of it. Oh, funny! There were yeah, there were a lot of good stories, not just about Floyd, obviously, but about Floyd's time at Disney in the early days. Um, he was talking about how he basically was instructed and mentored by the nine old men. Mm-hmm. Yes, and I and I heard that, and I, I guess I I should have known from the timing, but uh, I didn't. I was like, wow, this guy had 
a hand in or or was rather trained by the people who essentially invented yeah. storytelling, animated storytelling, and, and kind of improved well, on it. He is yeah, the bridge between that generation. What's yeah, that? he's trained under the, the master animators at the yeah. Snow White and everything. And uh, and, he, and Michael's right. He, he he is the last of that generation to really train under the nine old men. And, yeah. and it's the first film he worked on was Sleeping Beauty, which is one of the greatest animation achievements in Disney's history, I think. And that was the last uh, classically drawn movie, as in there were no shortcuts of, of any kind. After that, they went into Xerox, and they made the films uh, cheaper and faster. But uh, Floyd trained the Nine Old Men and worked on, on, a, on a movie where there was no shortcuts of any kind. I think yeah. it took, what, like six years to make Sleeping Beauty? Wow. And Floyd is a, a part of that. And wasn't Ward, was Ward Kimball the one that um, got him the the job as the in-betweener? Is that who he said he credited uh, with, the, with getting him the you job? Know, Ward Kimball uh, was supportive of him when there were some like race issues oh, okay. in his okay. initial days. Milt Call, um, he worked with, um, and Milt Call was kind of the cantankerous, you know, no BS you know, mm-hmm. member of the nine old men who, as we show through some animation in the documentary, would love to play chess with other animators <laughs> at Disney. And if you, you beat him, he would throw the board and the pieces and you out of his office into the hallway. Yeah. I would do that. <laughs> that would be me. Yep. <laughs> sounds about Yeah, sounds about right. I, harsh. Yeah, yeah. Well, don't 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 let me lose. It takes a team, right? It takes a team for me to win, and I feel Just like stop it. <laughs> I love the uh, uh, the Mark Davis story uh, when uh, when uh, Floyd's talking about uh, you know going out to to have martinis for lunch, and uh, yeah. Mark Davis held the record for six lunchtime martinis, and then he would come back, and everyone would just be drawing at their desk. I can't even focus after two martinis. <laughs> I can't imagine six and yeah. then and then going to work detail work. No. Like I can't I you know I couldn't do it. And they said he drew great. That's the amazing thing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're right. Like three and I'm on the floor, but this guy's like knocking out great drawings, and, you know. And what what uh, is it about <laughs> what is it about that era, like the Dean Martins of the time? Like they can just get sauced and still be at the top of their game. Yeah. Or the the whatever the whatever edge the liquor takes off them yeah right. that makes them that I don't know it's it's crazy yeah when I watched that part I remember thinking like what flourish was added to that drawing <laughs> that they yeah. wouldn't have normally done yeah. you know why is Bell's it, face drooping like, I don't know <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely the Mad Men era I yeah mean, absolutely a, a lot of lunchtime drinking and uh, and they would even like. You know, draw these gags on the on the walls for people to for the animators to make each other laugh. And uh, that's actually uh, Floyd got uh, promoted up by Walt Disney himself to work uh, in the story department on Jungle Book because he used to draw these gags, make it fun of Walt Disney. And Walt Disney actually saw him and loved him, and Floyd actually got a promotion out of it. So, I wish uh, I could get a promotion. Amazing time. I wish I could get a promotion making fun of my boss. I think it'd be great. <laughs> you and me both. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the things that Floyd made so clear is that it was, you know, this really, it was so fun to go to work. You know, it was like every day there was kind of something that was a little unexpected. Um, you know, there's so many stories of, you know, the Firehouse Five, which was composed of several of the uh, 
a few of the nine old men and animators uh, at Disney, you know, would go and play outside and, you know, other male and female animators would be dancing. I mean, this is how they were spending their lunch or they were playing on the, the old baseball field that used to be there and doesn't exist anymore. It was just like real, true fun. It wasn't, as Floyd would say, it wouldn't be the kind of fun that you would, you know, see maybe in a modern company where they would take a promotional photo of someone on roller skates to make it look like it's fun. <laughs> right. But no other time of the year is anybody on roller skates. He's like, no, we were having true fun. Wow. <laughs> um, I had a question. So in the in the film, you guys have some uh, animations throughout it. Is it safe to assume that? Norman or uh, that uh, Floyd Norman drew all those. So he basically what we did is animation was something we knew was going to be in the movie for sure. But it also was there to uh, fill the gaps where we may not have had B-roll or archival footage. So what Eric and I did is we sat down and we watched the movie through and picked about 25 to 30 moments where we felt like we could elevate a moment with animation, you know, to boost the comedy level or it would inform the narrative a little better. And we picked these moments sent over to Floyd a bunch of quick time videos of just like the kind of the in and out of the commentary around where the animation would go to inform him. And then within a week he came back with like 25 to 30 uh, still image gags based on the little quick time segments he saw. And then we had about 10, 11 animators all around the world that then took his single image gag and used that, not only as a character model, but to help inform the narrative that they were then going to go animate. And they had, they had a, you know, confined area. They knew like, okay, it has to be eight seconds long and it's going to go against this audio track. So in some cases we had like, you know, the character in the moment actually, you know, doing sync lip movement to some audio that, one of the interviewees is saying, so we tried to make them as clever and fun as possible. And, you know, it's one of those things that, you know, I think really boosted the level of the movie. And what we did, we actually have a really special feature on our Blu-ray where you can see the work that Floyd did in creating those single image gags side by side with the animated sequences. So you can really see how Floyd's, not only the, the the stroke of his pencil, but the, the the character design itself is really ingrained in the work that these up and coming animators from all around the world um, achieved. That's crazy. That- yeah, Floyd looks at uh, Floyd looks at life through the lens of comedy and as a cartoonist, and so I mean, we definitely wanted to sort of also show what was inside his head while these like stories of his life was happening, and show the way like Floyd looks at it through animation and and as a cartoonist, and uh, and so I think you know it definitely added a lot of fun, but it added Floyd's personality because these gags originated from him, and I think the the animators uh, I'll definitely want to. Shout out Nirali, who's one of the animators. Uh, I think they did a great job. Yeah, Nirali is from uh, Australia, and um, you know she would Skype with us, and 
you know, we'd have general creative meetings and we would basically be like ending our day in New York and she'd be starting her day in Australia. So we were always kind of, you know, crisscrossing with each other, um, our form of time travel. And uh, she was wonderful because she she did uh, the main title sequence as well as a majority of the animation. So um, she just did a wonderful job. Yeah, for sure. The animation was was great. How how long did you guys shoot with Floyd? Uh, for a couple of years, uh, about two years. I mean, we we started shooting right away. So literally, the first couple of days, we were shooting on the Disney lot, and Floyd was walking us around the Disney lot and sharing these great old stories uh, for, uh, through the animation building and, and about Walt Disney and the Night Old Men and everything. And we just kept filming and filming, and then. We also, you know, uh, had to get all these great interviews uh, of people that had worked with him throughout the years because Floyd's worked with almost everybody. So we interviewed people like Whoopi Goldberg and Don Hahn and and uh, and Dean the Boy and uh, you know Richard Sherman and and uh, but but as Michael could tell you, like things keep popping up. So it's like you know Floyd's doing quick draw at Comic Con, so we got to go shoot at Comic-Con. <laughs> another interview pops up, or Floyd's going to be at another event, and we got to go film, but uh, it was about two years of filming. Okay. Yeah, yeah, well, just to, to kind of clarify, it, it wasn't that we were filming for two years. It was right. from the first time we filmed to, like, our first public appearance, it was just under two years. It was probably, like, 18 months. Um, if you added up all the time that we actually were filming, it probably was, like, you know, 15 eight-hour days basically spread out across – you know, like eight months. But as Eric was saying, yeah, it was kind of like, it's a rabbit hole. It's, it's, <laughs> you go down one hole and then you see three extra tunnels. So because we're in New York and Floyd and a lot of the folks that are involved in the movie are all on the West coast, whether they be in the Bay area or LA, we had to be really strategic. I was self-financing the movies. So it was kind of like, you know, we've got to do this economically and we're, you know, we've got to, when we go out for a trip, we got to make sure we get the most bang for the buck. And, we were really economical and, and really we never tried to cut a corner, you know, even though we were trying to be economical, it was like we we really wanted to make sure we were getting everybody that was important to the narrative. And, and, and that's also what would keep things, you know, keep us coming back over the course of, let's say eight months. Yeah. Um, and then the editorial process was probably about five months um, broken up into like a three month chunk and then like another two month chunk. And then you've got like a month of, you know, color correct and sound mix and all that stuff kind of in its own separate time period. Okay. Got it. Got it. Um, so something I actually really enjoyed about the film was that it, it really sort of showcased him not just as an animator, but kind of just as an artist. Like when he, uh, when he was drafted, you had that segment where you showed his photographs and, like they were incredible, and it, I, I appreciated. Oh, it, when he was when he was about uh, the Vietnam War, yeah, I think. No, Korean War. I, I don't. Korean War, yeah. Korean War, yeah. yeah. And, and he was and taking he, photos. And he said, "You know, you you do what you can to get through the things." Or I, I'm paraphrasing because I'm yeah. terrible, but um, no, that's a direct quote. But like, <laughs> direct quote. But like, I I just I thought that was so great, and it and it really sort of opened my eyes, like just sort of his his brain and like sort of how he saw things. Like I I really appreciated that. Well, what's interesting, too, is that, you know, you you learn along the way that, 
you know, art was going to be a necessity in his life mm-hmm. to get him through things. So it started with Korea, and then when his wife um, and he divorced, his first wife, it, it, it did. It became like a constant. As long as art was there, everything was going to be okay. Um so yeah, I mean, it just again shows the importance of his of his own love for his craft. I mean, th- th- yeah, art gets him through the the tough times in his in his life. I mean, even when yeah. he got let go from Disney, the way yeah. he dealt with all that anger was by drawing these hilarious cartoons about uh, what was what happened and, <laughs> right. and satirizing it. And so you know, definitely uh, art and drawing and, and cartooning and. And filmmaking is, is, is how he expresses himself, and uh, and it's what gets him through tough times. Yeah, I mean, you always hear, you know, artists. Well, and you guys know as as, as filmmakers, right? You know, the, you 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 express yourself through art. It's self expression, right? In filmmaking and, and and painting and all that kind of stuff. But I think with Floyd, it seems like his emotions are kind of just. He's kind of just really even. He likes to have fun, but it seems like he he deals with that. Uh, anything dark, um, as uh, through his art, it's it's self-expression through art, but in the most real way. You know, it's like it's like he yeah, do, it's like he doesn't he doesn't have well, and I don't know, but just from your from your from your film, I imagine he he doesn't really have like anger or depression or whatever. He'll release that in the form of drawing. Like he's not going to talk to you about I am feeling kind of down and I just want someone to talk about it. He'll just draw for whatever you know an hour or whatever. Right. And while it's interesting about the importance of Adrian in his life, you see it happening, uh, you know, when, when she enters his world, he goes from doing passive aggressive drawings as his means of venting to kind of a sea change when she comes along because she says, you hear it in the movie, she goes, if you're angry about something, speak up, say something about it. And so when Meryl Streep wrote about Walt and said things that, you know, Floyd knew, as well as many other people that knew Walt, knew were not true, it was one of the first times where it was like, you know what, he doesn't, he's not going to use art. He actually used his literal voice and wrote that blog post that went viral. You know, just commenting on on Meryl Streep's statement. So again, that's the importance of Adrian in his life. It's like she not only changed his aesthetic as as you know that funny sequence in the movie shows, <laughs> yeah. but she really did help give him a literal voice that was no longer passive aggressive by way of drawing. Do you think that that he would still be uh, doing the things he's doing for Disney had he not met? Adrian, you know, uh, like if, you know, he got fired on his 65th, you know, the month of his 65th birthday, it feels like he would have, depression would have maybe overtaken him, but he had this kind of rock, uh, not just to get him I into mean, the campus, but, you know, to, to help him deal with that. Well, she's a big part of that because, I mean, like you were talking about, she totally gave him a makeover, but that was more than just giving him a much better style. It was about helping give him confidence. And she's constantly pushing him, to, you know, letting him know, hey, you, you're still, you still have a lot to offer and you still have a lot to give and, and get out there and, and let your voice be heard and, and keep doing your work. And, and she's very encouraging. And, and Floyd, internally, he just, He's like a, a little kid still. He genuinely loves to draw. 
He loves filmmaking, loves animation, and 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 that encouragement really goes uh, goes a long way. I mean, it was it was after that that uh, after being let go that you know he eventually got a Disney Legend Award, and you know he would drive her to work every day, and that's how floitering started. He was, even though the Disney you know fired him, he just kept showing up every day, and guess what? Jobs started landing in his lap. And, uh, and she's a big part of, of letting him know, like she says in the film, you, you're not done yet. You still have a lot to offer. And he does. Yeah. What is he? He's 80, what, 82 now? 80, 81? Something like that? He's going to be 82 on uh, June 22nd. Okay. And you'd never know it. The no. man has more energy than probably all of us combined. My yeah. God, even in, in, in the, the early photos of him when he first started working at Disney, I was like, who is this kid? Yeah. Doesn't he have like PE in an hour? <laughs> yeah. He just looks so young and, and he just, yeah, he just cruises around that, that studio, man, just talking to everybody, painting late at night, just doing, just doing the work. And it's pretty cool. It's, it's, it seems like he's definitely reinvented himself a few times over coming back, you know, getting store to uh, Toy Story 2. I think in, in the movie you guys yeah. were talking about, it started as a direct-to-video thing, but Floyd's work on that kind of elevated it to a feature. Yeah, I mean, that was one of those cool stories that I had never known. I didn't know that it was originally made, you know, the intent was a straight-to-video. Yeah. And that says something about the story team, because they were being treated like uh, Ken Mitroni and um, uh, I forgot the other gentleman's name. What was his Kirk name, Eric? Kirk Hansen. Kirk Hansen, yeah, and Floyd were like three of the story team on on Toy Story 2. And, you know, the fact that these guys were being treated kind of like the B team when A Bug's Life was really the right. emphasis of everything at Pixar, yeah. the fact that these guys are sitting there coming up with these great ideas that suddenly Lassiter and the team goes, oh, maybe we should actually be making this as a theatrical movie. I mean, that says something about you know, Floyd and and his collaborators. I yeah. mean, they're super talented people. And what's interesting is, is Kirk Hansen and Ken Mitroni, who are in the movie, as they say now, they're mid-timers. So they're like entering kind of like they're near kind of the expected retirement years in a weird way. Mm -hmm. And they said that they, they use Floyd as their example of kind of how to persevere. So, um, you know, hopefully that'll, that is rubbed off on all these great guys because they're amazing people. Every one of them is just funny, smart, amazing, you know, people. That's, yeah, that's, that's really cool. I, I did like in the, uh, in the film, kind of, it was a, it was a, a touching moment. I think, uh, uh, just kind of a thing to, to Floyd's sense of humor, or at least, you know, going through the, the trials and tribulations he did. He was like, when I first started, there was only one or two black animators. Yeah. And now there's enough for us to be mad at each other. Yeah. <laughs> just like, my God. I mean, that's, that's fun. First of all, it's funny. Fun. Hilarious. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's true though. I mean, when Floyd was at Disney, when Walt Disney was alive, he was the only black artist there. Yeah. I mean, he had an amazing experience because he worked with such talented people. And, you know, he said that Walt Disney was the best boss he ever had, but he was the only one. Uh, and then, and he met Leo and, and they all did know each other and it wasn't many. And so it's, 
it's fantastic when you see so many more artists coming in and more diversity in the world of animation. You know, it's great to say, yeah, now we can. We can actually <laughs> dislike each other yeah, now because there's enough of us mad. to do that, you know. Oh, like that's funny. And some of the Walt stories were, were funny but also sad, like when they were talking about, uh, you know, we knew Walt was coming <laughs> because we could hear his smoker's cough. cough. Oh. Yeah, and I was like, so yeah. that's funny. Oh, God. Yeah. Oh. But you know what I loved about it is that you you, you guys told that in in one of the most honest ways I've ever seen. So many people kind of gloss over Walt Disney as being this, you know, magnificent, you know, saint. saint. Yeah. And, and it's okay that he wasn't. We can still all love him, right. even though he wasn't perfect. Everybody's he- <laughs> human. Yeah, like when, when they're one looking at... One of the at- greatest compliments that we got, actually, was... His granddaughter, um, who's been super, super supportive, we did kind of a secret screening um, before our festival debut a little over a year ago, and um, she was in attendance, and she said the, the PBS documentary on her grandfather had come out maybe like five or six months earlier in the fall. And she said, this is the movie we should have had about my grandfather, meaning not only about the honesty that we have, how we told the moments about him, but also just in general, that there was a real sense of humor in the movie in general. And, um, you know, to, to me, and I'm sure Eric can, can confirm this for himself. I mean, that was like one of the greatest compliments we could have ever gotten. Oh, yeah, absolutely. The fact that oh, she yeah, was that like, was, this is how PBS should have told the story about my grandfather. That's amazing. And that, I mean, that was amazing that, that she said that. And it's, and it's true. I mean, Walt Disney is a genius, but yeah, the guy did smoke and yeah, he was tough on people in terms of their drawings. I mean, yeah. you know, we show it in the movie how we do like, I don't like this one. I don't like this one. Throw them on the floor, but but that also meant when you got the compliment, uh, it meant the world to you because yeah. you knew how high the standards were, you know. Yeah, and and you know it, it was it was it was great because I didn't know exactly how hands-on he was later on in the years, you know what I mean? Especially dealing with the movies. I know that he would come in and get approval, but uh, like in The Jungle Book, when I, I maybe it was Floyd, I, I forget who, uh, would come like, no, he's he's like repositioning the gags on the uh, storyboard. Yeah, He's like, no, the gag goes here, and this goes here, and this is how the story kind of should should flow. And I'm like, wow, that's that's really awesome mm-hmm. to hear. And it's just these little... These little stories uh, that come out about everybody else in Floyd's life that 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 just help make this movie so much better than it is. It's just, it's great. It's it, tons of good stories. Yeah, and and when Floyd's looking, you, you guys are going through the Imagineering, and there's the partner statue there, and the, the Hall of Legends or whatever. And he's like, I don't remember Walt that way. I remember him with a cigarette in one hand, over, yeah. over, and I'm like. Oh my god. That's so great. It's endearing and 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 just like yeah, it's it's beautifully true. That that's who yeah. Walt was and I and I and I think we do we do him a disservice. I think we do everybody a disservice for just focusing on the good or focusing on the bad and not taking the person as they are. We're not yeah. teaching everybody, "Hey, we have faults. We have quirks. Right. We have things that, you know, aren't necessarily kosher." But uh it was I don't know, it was well, really that was always that was always a question for Eric and I, you know, along the way was, you know, how happy is Disney, the company, going to be about this? Yeah. <laughs> they do such a good job of 
you know, making sure nobody ever sees him holding a cigarette in any footage, whether it be still or moving. So when we're just, you know, even those little bits of, of the, you know, the background story, we were just kind of like, all right, get the lawyers ready, in the words of uh, <laughs> uh, uh, Bell Norman. <laughs> yeah. So, so Floyd will talk about that at that statue. So the reason why his fingers are like that is he tape up a picture when he had a cigarette in his hand, and they just removed the cigarette. You know. Yeah, that's what we were talking about. We we've mentioned that a couple times on the show, and I thought we had mentioned. I thought I looked it up, and it was like that's that was a well. Again, so it was a rumor uh, that was supposedly dispelled by like the Disney vault, like the Disney Day vault guy or whatever. But, but I could of course totally, it was. right? I could totally see that being the company line. Yeah, like it's just you know they they've changed the the archives so far back that you can only go so far back and go. Right. Oh well, that's what must be it. So. <laughs> I could definitely see. Well, that. it's great because Floyd Floyd has the first-hand stories. Exactly. Yes. There, you know, right. So, well, that's so what he, I mean, right? He like, actually tells you what it was really like. Yeah, that, that's what I'm saying, right? Like, you know, you can't you can't change his story, and he's not going to change it. So it's there's right. there's nothing to change. You know, he he just he, this is what it is, and you want to you know you believe it or not, I guess. <laughs> Well, he also, Floyd also remembers when Disney was, he always uh, uh, said it was like a family business because it was like you knew who the boss was. There was one boss, Walt Disney. You could go to him and he said yay or nay. And he really did have his hands in everything and oversaw everything. So he, you know, he's seen how the company has, has changed over the years and become more of a obviously like a giant corporation but he remembers when it was like uh like it was a family business you see walt just walking around the the lot like hanging out you know and one of the things a lot of people don't even realize is that you know just because you work at disney doesn't mean you actually work with walt disney like what what floyd achieved when he was asked by Walt to join the story team on Jungle Book was like winning the lottery. <laughs> you know, suddenly, you know, you're not, it's not like you're just in a building with Walt. You're in the same room with Walt. And there was just such a select few people that had that opportunity. I think a lot of people are under the impression that, no, you, you if you worked at Walt Disney Productions, you know, you were in the room working with him. Nope. You, you were very lucky if you had that opportunity. And, Absolutely. you know, as Floyd jokes, he's like, I just wanted to make sure, like, I stayed out of his eye line because he was always afraid he was going to get asked a question. Well, I tried to stay behind him as much yes. as possible. <laughs> yeah. And the cartoon you or the the animation that you guys used with that was just so perfect. perfect. I absolutely loved it. Jumps behind the couch was so great. Yeah. <laughs> well, do me a favor, guys. You have a you have a contest coming up uh, centered around the movie. Uh, do me a favor. Tell me about that. So the term uh, Floyd Ring is a combination of Floyd's name and the word loitering. And where that comes from is when Floyd got forced retired from Disney on his 65th birthday, he decided, I'm not going to leave. I'm going to continue to come back to the place that I love, and I'm going to continue to work out of a cubicle there and do what I do best. And someone coined that phrase floitering as a result of him basically loitering around Disney. And so we are doing a competition in conjunction with the Blu-ray where if you go to floydnormanmovie.com, if you purchase a Blu-ray, you take a photo of yourself holding the Blu-ray, 
and then you put it on social media, any of the platforms. But the key thing to do is hashtag it floitering, F-L-O-Y-D-E-R-I-N-G. And then what we'll do is we'll randomly select one person to be brought to Burbank, California, to floiter with Floyd, the real Floyd Norman, and you'll have a lunch with him uh, on the Disney lot. And then there's some additional uh, special surprises oh by way of a tour of the Disney lot. So we actually awarded our first winner about six weeks ago, Tiffany Lubcumin from uh, the Bay Area. And she just had the time of her life. I bet. Who wouldn't? I want yeah, this. Yeah, <laughs> it, 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 was, it was amazing. Uh, Floyd took her, and actually we were there too, uh, to Walt Disney's uh, office on the lot, and they had preserved it. They, mm. they archived it the way they, it exactly was when he, when he died, and so Floyd just gave, us, gave her an incredible tour around the lot through the animation building, all this amazing stuff, and she just left. So in, inspired. I mean, it's it's really a one of a kind experience. Well, if, if, and she got to see John Lasseter, which was very wow. unexpected. Oh, that's cool. So she she was very excited about that. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Well, if if you need if you need any sort of like weird ragtag band of podcasters to come down and <laughs> and uh, interview the winner for next time and tag along and and document it, uh, we're there. Yes, please. We're we're in we're in the Bay Area. I will. We'll make I, that I, I feel like this is one of those moments where I wouldn't be able to control my emotions. Like I wouldn't be able to be in the comfort zone. So I'd yeah. either be like, I'd be like way too excited and just freak out the whole time and probably cry. Okay, well you can't come. <laughs> it's gonna be me and Terry. Yes. Dang it! Yeah, hey, I, I want to come. That's no, fantastic. You have to console Bev. <laughs> I, I don't need. To, I'm gonna need a volume not consoling. <laughs> Uh, well, Michael and Eric, I... Floyd is very soothing. Floyd will, will, will uh, just, uh, you know, give you some great stories and mellow you out. Oh, line your cheeks. It's, it's, it's a great thing. He's a natural Xanax. He's, He's a just... natural Xanax. <laughs> Love yeah. it. Uh, guys, I, we're going to let you go because it, it's late, and uh, you've, you've taken we've taken way more of your time than than even I had anticipated. But Michael and Eric, I really appreciate it. Uh, go to uh, give me the website again, please. Sure, it's floydnormanmovie.com, and you can find us on social media on Facebook at uh, Floyd uh, Norman Documentary, and all of our other social media links are on the floydnormanmovie.com uh, wow. website. Perfect. That's awesome. I really appreciate it. And, and again, I'm not just blowing smoke. Uh, you know, this was a really well-done movie. Yeah. You guys really brought Floyd to life on the on the, on the the small TV screen that I watched it on. So uh, <laughs> I want to thank you for it. I think it's, it's, it's really fun, and you guys did great, and I look forward to uh, to seeing what you guys do next, yes. for sure. Thank you so much. Thank right. you so much, and uh, thanks for spreading the word about the movie. We, uh, we appreciate it. Of course, yeah. All right, have a good night, guys, or maybe almost good morning. <laughs> <laughs> have a good night. All right, cheers, guys. Thank you. Oops, I turned my I turned my mic down instead of... It's appropriate. Yeah, <laughs> well, whatever. Whatever. Anyway, wow. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Damn, they seem like fun dudes. Yeah, yeah I had a good time. Absolutely. I want to I want to check and see when they if if they ever do anything at the Walt Disney Family Museum. That's yeah. what we're talking about up here. Yeah, they filmed there. <laughs> yeah, they did. I was like, oh, hey, that's uh. That was really cool, man. I don't know if it's possible for me to like this movie more. Right, I do. <laughs> Seriously, it's so good. Yeah, it's. I mean, so what we didn't touch on really, or one of the guys said, uh, you know, uh, Floyd worked at Hanna Barbera. 
for for a time after he left Disney. So this is what he wrote. This is what he worked on, like writing for uh, all you old timers. Uh, Johnny Quest, yes, Scooby Doo, mm-hmm. the Laugh Olympics. Yes, remember the Laugh Olympics? Olympics? No. Smurfs. And he, go, and he goes, you know, the little blue guys I in know, the movie. Like, like people don't Bro, know the Smurfs. It's the Smurfs. Uh, Captain Caveman. Captain Caveman. No idea. And Richie Rich. No. Dude, like homeboy worked, gym, dude. right? Oh my goodness! Uh, anyway, he worked on the original Fat Albert special. Crazy! <laughs> it's just Crazy. the guy's done a lot of work, man. I, anyway, I, obviously, I really enjoyed the movie. Check it out, Floyd Norman and Animated Life, and then be sure pick up the Blu-ray. I think we might have to buy the Blu-ray. It's because I want to see all the specials. Do I like the Blu-ray movie. player. Yeah, PS4. Yeah. Oh. PS4. Cool. Can I take a picture with your Blu-ray? <laughs> <laughs> no. I don't have a Blu-ray player, so I can't buy one. Buy a PS4 for Sam. No. Buy it for Abby. No. Actually, my PS3 is a... Anyway, whatever. Um, so uh, take your... <laughs> again, the, the contest. Take a picture with the Blu-ray. Hashtag floitering. Like loitering and Floyd, but floitering. Um, and then check them out, floydnormanmovie.com. Okay, let's so, get so cool. Spectro Jeremy on here. If I can, we'll do this. Where is he? You guys talk amongst yourselves. Help me out for a second. Um, did you guys, you guys watch the whole thing, right? Yes. So good. Um, I, I don't know what to talk about. I was <laughs> trying. So, and sadly, so of all the stuff that he worked on, Laugh Olympics is the one I'm most impressed with. That was really? one of my favorite I don't know what shows. that is. I don't know what it, it is was either. all the Hanna-Barbera. So there was the um, Scooby-Doobies, the, the oh, Yogi Scooby-Doobies? Yahoo. Scooby-Doobies, that's what Abby yeah. called oh, it. So the Scooby-Doobies, <laughs> the Yogi Yahooies. There's a team. They always would take uh, the classic Hanna-Barbera cartoons and put right. them in Olympic teams. In Olympic teams. Oh. And then the dirty something or others. They always, try to, <laughs> they always try to cheat <laughs> to win, but they never won. Um, but yeah, it was it was a great show. I really I really enjoyed that show. I don't think I've hilarious. ever seen that. No, I it was I on um, USA on the mm-hmm. cartoon. The car what was it what was it called the cartoon train or something cartoon, like that? No, you're thinking of Soul Train. No, no, it was like a cartoon <laughs> thing, but it was uh, it had like a train was the whole theme. I can't remember what it was called. It was on oh, Sunday mornings. Oh God! Yeah, yeah. Um, the the Yogi Yahooie Scooby Doo is really rotten. Really rotten. So um, on ABC. I don't think so I've ever good. seen it. No, I know I haven't. Here I'm yeah. looking I'm at the. We're not uh, that much older than you guys, right? No. I'm the oldest person in the room. Nine, right? Yeah. And you and I think we're almost the same. So it was, I guess it was always the three. We're close. It was always the three, uh, (laughs) the three teams. Uh, I'm I'm trying to read it right now because I'm waiting for Jeremy. Um, waiting for Jeremy. Oh, is he on video call? Come on, bro. (laughs) Come on, homeboy. And it's not his fault. Of course, I'm just. Those guys seem cool. I wonder if now we have, if like, we can, oh, they're on the East Coast. They're not in, like, Anaheim. Never mind. I was thinking, like, Jeremy. it'd be cool so if too. we could. Uh... Good morning, guys. Yes! <laughs> How are you, my friend? Well played. Sorry about that. I don't know what happened. No, it's uh, because we never... I never reach out to you and say, hey, this is how we should communicate. So it's totally my fault. <laughs> That's all right. That was a really good interview. I enjoyed listening oh, to Oh, thank that. you, man. That's cool. Um, speaking of listening to things, though, Jeremy. <laughs> Join us as we unravel the magic behind some of Disney's most beloved pieces of music. It's Spectro Time. It's Magic Night. Stars with baby side as cast a spell of 
All right. <clears throat> it always calms us all down. Yeah, it's the best. Yeah. Just uh, just now we can we can finally relax. Yeah. <laughs> don't finally. get all finally. We've all been on edge. Yeah, don't get all wound up. Let's just <laughs> let's just play the uh the Spectro theme song and that's it. Yeah. I mean, it's 11:30 here, so I didn't really oh, need God, much else I to. Know. And I was I'm so, so sorry. I, this is the second show I've sat through, so I've actually had a couple of glasses of wine. You're so that nice. plus Spectro, it's time to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's time for Spectro Radio. <laughs> it's gonna be amazing. No, no, hold on, I messed up. Hold on, it's the best. It's the, no, I love. I love you guys. I love the guy who made this music. Uh, I love you guys too. Um, how you doing, bud? Wait, so how what? is... Yes. I have one question. How Only is one? construction coming on the new Ears Up studio? I mean, uh, house. Ears Up 2.0? <laughs> yeah. Um, it's coming along, man. We got a second floor Good. built and, uh, you know, we should be, we should be out of here in August. Uh, and into the new digs. Although I don't know how long it'll take us to, or take me to get the new studio set up. Probably not too long. No, you did this one pretty fast. Now you know yeah. what you're doing. We might have a week off or something like that, or maybe record in the old one. I don't want to do that. This one? No, the no, old, the old, one. old one. The first old one. Break into the this old, house. old one. The bar. Oh, the old, oh, the old, yeah. old one. Hello? Hey, you, you have all my stuff. We used to live here. Do you mind if we drag some stuff in here and record? <laughs> We can't record in any place but this blue room. <laughs> it's actually two colors of blue because there's an accent wall, Jeremy. Oh, yes. All right. My gosh. I never noticed that. And yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, well, then I guess it's... <laughs> yeah, I mean, Thanks, Taryn. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Not a very good accent. I'm so unobservant. <laughs> uh, anyway, Jeremy, what are we talking about? How, how, first of all, how are you? Yeah. I feel like we haven't talked oh. in a while. I'm just, I'm wonderful. You know? right. You're coming it's, out for our uh, 100th episode. Tickets are on sale now. Tickets are on sale now. I got to get my ticket. No, you don't. No, you don't. No, you're on the show, bro. Yeah, you're, oh, you're, a, you're a co-host. Plane ticket, but <laughs> yeah, you have, to get, you have to get your plane ticket. Co-host. No, but you're, we're going to have, for those of you who don't know, we're going to have Jeremy sit in as our fifth co-host. For the entire Did Jeremy yeah. know? show, Two Jeremy. Show. Oh, okay, that's good. <laughs> fifth wheel. Surprise! Yeah, as yeah. our fifth wheel. <laughs> he and I are planning stuff as well. Awesome. So, that's yes. true. Oh, yeah, we've got a lot of stuff in the in the hopper. Nice. Um, I booked my hotel. I have not. I have not booked my flight yet, but okay. I am. Yeah, I have my that's hotel, the easy so part. I'm already. That yeah. doesn't sell out. Uh, speaking of selling out, I don't know. I was trying yeah, to make a transition. Pretty, transition. I know <laughs> it's pretty no, good. You're, do, you're doing great. Thank you're you. doing great. Well, what are we talking about tonight, Jeremy? We are going to take a short walk over to Disney California Adventure. Yes. Oh, geez. And then yes. we're going to turn around and leave. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. After we go to yeah, we're going to give a Carthay for a drink, and then we're going to go back to Disneyland. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to listen, t- learn about the music of Soren. Oh, Terrence's favorite. Favorite ride ever. Wow, this is the best. Terrence heavy episode. Goodness gracious. <laughs> Um, so the original Soarin' over California debuted on the opening day of Disney California Adventure, February 8th, 2001. So for those of you who don't know, um, Soarin' is a flight simulator attraction that employs an 80-foot concave 180-degree screen and lifts the viewers 40 feet into the air to view the movie. So I'm 
I can't imagine that there's anyone who doesn't know that at this point, but <laughs> right. just in case. Spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> the ride concept first came up in 1996 under the title Ultra Flight. And the original concept was to have all the guests board on three separate loading levels, but that ultimately proved to be too costly. So to execute it, the Imagineers came up with a single level loading system that we know today that then lifts you up into three levels against the screen. Mm -hmm. During the development of the attraction, the Imagineers were looking for a composer to create the soundtrack. So they invited the legendary film composer Jerry Goldsmith to Glendale to see a mock-up of the ride and the video for Soren. We know Jerry Goldsmith for his work on Planet of the Apes, uh, the movie Chinatown, Poltergeist, Star Trek, uh, Disney's Mulan, among many others, which I'm going to tell you more about in a little while. But those are some of his highlights. And then, of course, Soren. Uh, when they, so they send, uh, Goldsmith up into Soren, and when they bring him back down, they find him crying. Because <laughs> so, he hates it? They're like, Jerry, what's, Jer, what's wrong? Jer, Jer. <laughs> <laughs> Something wrong? And he says, no, nothing's wrong. I have two loves in my life, music and flying. And Goldsmith loved the film. And he thought it was beautiful. And he was even quoted as saying, I'd do anything to be a part of this project. I'd even score the film for free. Wow. Wow. Something you should never say Did out he? loud. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Listen to what Jerry Goldsmith gave us. Number one. Never thought, I never thought I would say this. Uh, here it comes. Uh-oh. I kind of want to go on the ride now. No! Just hearing that, I kind of do. It's beautiful music. Absolutely beautiful. Wait, so did you mean, in, were you being sarcastic before? It's not oh, your favorite dripping, ride? Dripping. Dripping with sarcasm. Yeah, Terrence hates that hate ride because he has no soul. What is wrong with you? It's I mean, <laughs> it's the same thing every single time. The music's fantastic, but the ride. Have, you ever, have you ever been on a ride? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. As opposed, what to I love about Haunted Mansion is it changes every time. It's different. <laughs> Pirates of the Caribbean. I can't tell. I don't know which ending am I going to get. Are they going to find the redhead? (laughs) We want the brunette. It's a large world. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, it's just mom. Um, The teacup spin in the other direction. You guys are horrible people. Go on. Are you guys just like, so who isn't just going through every ride they can think of right now? (laughs) Who's going to nail this joke? (laughs) In the end, Goldsmith was indeed, in spite of his amazing negotiating skills, he was paid for his work on the attraction. Okay. But the on-ride soundtrack is not the only music that we associate with Soren. 
We all know Disney loves to keep us entertained while we are in line for their attractions. The Soarin' Q Loop in Disney California Adventure is comprised of sweeping audio from military patriotic films, uh, film scores, including audio from the American president, Dave, the distinguished gentleman, and MacArthur and Patton, which coincidentally was also scored by Jerry Goldsmith. Here is a montage of some of the audio from the original Soarin' Over California Q music, number two. I wanted to say words like my fellow Americans over yeah, the first yeah. <laughs> Totally. Catch the wagon train. <laughs> Men, we have one mission today. <laughs> the victory. Give me liberty or give me death. <laughs> Sorry. Very good. So, uh, what you just heard was <laughs> the distinguished gentleman even know uh, by Randy Edelman, Dave by James Newton Howard, and the general suite by Jerry Goldsmith. First of all, I'm going to interrupt you for a second. Um, oh, do you want to stay on? Because after this, we're doing the secret show. Absolutely. Nice. Oh. Okay, sorry, go ahead. Um,. In 2005, as part of the happiest celebration on Earth, which celebrated uh, 50 years of Disneyland, Disney brought the highly successful Soarin' attraction to Walt Disney World's Epcot, where it sits in the Land Pavilion in the Future World section of the park. Now, coincidentally, Disney used another famous Jerry Goldsmith track as the theme song to some of the commercials that promoted the happiest celebration on Earth, and that is... One of my personal all-time favorite scores and favorite movies, the soundtrack to Rudy, number three. That's pretending to run like Rudy did. <laughs> I've never seen Rudy. <gasps> You've never seen I'm... Rudy? No. But it has the guy from Encino Man, right? <laughs> <laughs> that is him. <laughs> that is him. You know, the guy from Encino Man. Not Brendan Fraser, not Paul yes. Shore, but the other dude. Yes. And Paul Shore? Yeah, and he went to no, UCLA. No, not Brendan Fraser. Um, what's Sean, Sean Astin? Sean, David. Yeah, Sean, yeah, Sean Astin. Yeah. <laughs> David. Geffen. Is that the no, guy in there? No, in Encino Man, his name is David. Right. You guys, I really <laughs> like Encino Man. <laughs> Please, I've never seen Encino Man. Please continue. Do you maybe, Jeremy, next time we'll do a whole thing on Encino <laughs> Man. Sorry. The music of Encino oh, Man. A, uh, I, I actually can't do the music <laughs> uh, Probably for the best. Oh, my goodness. Uh, no, I'm kidding. Um, so, uh, also, that music was used as the area music in a section of DCA called the Bay Area, which I didn't even know was a section. 
I huh. didn't either. I think it was oh, when you first walked the in wharf. and there was where the oh the Golden the Gate. Golden Gate no, I thought I thought the Are Bay Area was. Oh no, the there Bay is San Francisco. The Bay Area was where is where um, Nemo is now. That's where the Golden Dreams or whatever the Nemo Nemo Nemo. Nemo. I'm sorry. <laughs> Little Mermaid. Oh, oh yeah. Well, like the, 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 the old lady oh, right. the houses. It yeah, it was the, the Palace of Fine Arts. Yeah. That yeah. Was a oh, right, right. Like, Glad we have that. Well, there so you go. We live here. We know what everything's called, right? So it has, it's a uh, W. So actually, you hear I do play that um, track on Spectro just because it is uh, area music for DCA. Um, okay. So now while I'm listening to this uh, Soren soundtrack by Jerry Goldsmith and I'm going through all this Jerry Goldsmith music that's in the queue. I'm like, all of these sa- uh, tracks have a very similar sound. So I did a little mashup for you, uh, <laughs> between the Rudy soundtrack and the soundtrack to Soren. So take a listen to how similar these tracks are. Number four. I have a feeling I'm going to love this. Crazy. Is the Soren one a little faster? Uh, it looks like it went up uh, maybe a couple of keys. But and he just loves that like single tapping tambourine. Yeah, he absolutely <laughs> does. <laughs> uh, anyway, I just thought that was kind of neat, so I yeah. um, threw that together. Yeah, thank you. In the Epcot version of Soren, they dropped the part of the title that said "Over California" and just called it Soren. Even though the video was identical to the one that was used in California, um, only going over sites in California. And it was an immediate hit at Epcot, frequently building up to time, wait times in excess of two hours. Oh. Ugh, yuck. I know. One notable difference with the version at Epcot is the cue music. It features a different set of scores from a much larger list of movies, including, uh, I'm not going to read them all, but I will post them on my website. SpectroRadio.us. Uh, <laughs> but for now, they there was stuff from The Right Stuff, Christopher Columbus, Contact, Steel Magnolias, wow. uh, Father of the Bride, Indecent Proposal, Mr. Destiny, and Why? many others. Why was this? They're very just soaring, sweeping music oh, that okay. just, you know. <clears throat> Got it. Right so here is a right montage stuff. of some of the highlights from the Q music loop in Epcot number five. <laughs> that is very sweeping. Mm-hmm. It's like the end of every movie. Yeah. song you put a, a, a Lincoln speech over. Oh, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Or like a very climactic part of a movie. 
Sword fight. Sword fight? <laughs> no. no. <laughs> Not at all. No. Ching, ching, ching. No, it doesn't sound right. <laughs> oh, Beverly. Terrence, you said you've never, you don't know what the right stuff is? No. Wow. Wow. Sorry? Sorry, Jeremy. Go on, please. I don't even want to so what you just heard was the music from Air Force One by Jerry Goldsmith, The Rescuers Down Under by Bruce Broughton, which keep his name fresh in your heads because we're coming back to him in a little bit, okay. Apollo 13 um, by James Horner, and The Rocketeer also by James Horner. The Rocketeer. Jerry Goldsmith's Soren theme is extremely popular and highly recognizable among Disney fans. The theme from Soren was released on pianist Tom Amin's Disney cover album Magical Moments 2. Take a listen, number six. Make you like the ride better, Terrence? No, but that's beautiful. That really is. He has uh, this guy Tom Amin has several albums: Magical Moments One, Magical Moments Two, Magical Moments Three. Uh, <laughs> but they're all really good. A lot of a lot of and covers. So check them out. Um, I've played this next track for you before in another context, but what the hey? Let's listen to it again. Here is the new Disneyland band covering the venerable track Soren Number Seven. I don't know if I would be able to pick that out as Soren. Like I've heard yeah. it, and when, I feel when you like play the, the the title track, I go, okay, yeah, but like that's the one that would come to version? you like four hours later while you're standing in line for Splash yeah, Mountain. You'd probably. be like, oh, that's what that was. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> On August 16th, 2015, the Disney Parks blog announced that a new version of Soren titled Soren Around the World would be debuting at Epcot and Disney California Adventure Parks, with Epcot's attraction also adding the added capacity of a third theater. This was right around the time the announcement was made that a new version of Soren would be added to plans for Shanghai Disneyland, known as Soaring Over the Horizon. Notice China gets the G. It was not originally intended to be a part of the plans for Shanghai, but in 2014, Disney expanded its Shanghai park plans and Soren was included in that. People were very excited about the prospect of an update to Soren, and there had been speculation for some time that a new version would include landmarks from around the world. And some people even speculated that each version of Soren would be different, like Star Tours is now. Much to Terrence's chagrin, that did not happen. Um, <laughs> But we did get uh, landmarks from around the world. But if there was anything holding back people's excitement for the new attraction, it was the question of what would become of the soundtrack? Would it get replaced? Would it get adapted? Would it stay completely the same? So here is some info from the Disney Parks blog. One of the most unforgettable aspects of Soarin' Over California, the original vision of this attraction was its dramatic musical score. And that time-honored tradition continues with Soarin' Around the World. Courtesy of composer 
Bruce Broughton, who faithfully adapted the attraction's themes and infused each note with all new sounds, regional instruments, and international influences. And this is because, unfortunately, Jerry Goldsmith passed away in 2004. So in order to update the soundtrack, Bruce Broughton had to take on the task of adapting Goldsmith's score to the new attraction. Bruce Broughton is no stranger to Disney, having written the soundtrack to Epcot's 2008 version of Spaceship Earth, Ellen's Energy Adventure in Epcot's Universe of Energy Pavilion, Golden Dreams at California Adventure, and Cinemagique from Disneyland Paris, among many others, as well as a huge library of movie soundtracks, including those I listed before. The new version of Soren, with its new soundtrack, debuted at the opening of Shanghai Disneyland on June 16th, 2016, and in both of the American parks on the following day. Take a listen to some of Bruce Broughton's reimagined version of Jerry Goldsmith's original Soren, number eight. more full yeah, yeah. all the horns big and brassy and yeah. uh, that those, when those french horns i think it's french horns when they like take mm-hmm. that and just go down it's like like you're filled with chills like i yeah. can't even handle it it's beautiful absolutely <laughs> yeah. beautiful he yeah. really did it justice and then you know when it, it does go around the world not to be a spoiler but um and it, it sort of evolves with the it feels like the area of the world that you're you're going over so it's really great nice so that's it. Um, the one footnote is that Soren has been announced that it will be, there's three now, um, in the world, but there will be a fourth coming to Tokyo in 2019. Nice. Oh. Well, All right. Will that be Soren over anything per, per, so, particular? Soren sh- over something. Soren over something. Um, they're not sure. I don't know what the video will be, but mm. the concept will be slightly different. Like you'll be, it, um, you won't be flying on a glider. You're flying in some sort of other uh, contraption um, that I think fits more into the theming of the Tokyo Disney Sea kind of um, setting. Looking okay. at it with the con- uh, concept art, it kind of looks like a rickshaw. Huh? Yeah, okay. it's really cool. All right. Maybe it's just soaring over inner city traffic then. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be the Elon Musk ride where it'd be tunneling under traffic. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> So that is the music of Soren. I hope you enjoyed it. Awesome. awesome. Yeah, Thanks, thank man. you, man. I appreciate that. Good times. Good, right. times. Good times. I think you did great, Jeremy. I as, like Soren. As always. And actually, I have the fact of the show for, for a Soren fact. Oh. So that's wow. kind of fun. Didn't that's even know. That's good. Yeah. Good um, planning. Thank you. All right, Jeremy, I'll let you go, but hey, I will call you back in probably 15 or 20 and we'll do the secret show. All right. Sounds good. Thanks, man. Get, get some more wine. Don't pass out. I will. <laughs> I have a lot of good Disney news, and so I want your take on stuff. Okay, good. All right. Thanks, man. Later. Bye. The old Jeremy. Jeremy Spectro at 
radio.ca. I can't wait to meet him in person. I'm so excited. It's going to be amazing. Yeah. This is my favorite segment that we do. What if he's just like like a super introvert <clears throat> and, you know, just like it, it comes alive like on the radio, but I you meet think. him and he just looks at his shoes all day. Then he and I will get along so well. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's going to be a problem at all. God, I love him. We will be silent yeah. BFFs. <laughs> well, I know he's going to Disneyland like in April and um, I really wanted to try to go then, but we can't we can't make it. And I don't want to have to wait till November, but I think we're going to have to. Well, yeah. then uh, September. He's doing the run. Oh, that's right. Yeah, so oh, yeah. yeah. I forgot about that, cool. dude. I forgot about With that. Us. We're, we're, we're running. We're too. running. Yeah. We, we did it once last we, week. We are going to be running. And I hurt for like four days. <clears throat> I know. It sucks. And we don't even run the whole time. It's it's going to be painful. It's, it's going to be painful, yeah. Um, okay, so we had to to uh, to shift away from a bunch of stuff to accommodate our guests on the East Coast, but now uh, we're ready to rewind, Taryn. Um, tickets for our 100th episode live at Ralph Brennan Jazz Kitchen are on sale now. Go to our Facebook page or you can go to brownpapertickets.com and search ears up course with a z um and you should find them there they're on sale they're kind of i don't know if they're going fast yet so i released them to all the patreon people first and and we sold like 20 that way and then i put them out to all the norms and uh the norms are buying them pretty good um don't worry about the limits because uh i had to set ticket limits right don't worry about them if we hit the limits, we're going to talk to the the folks at Ralph Brennan's Jazz Kitchen to uh, incorporate a larger space. Yeah. So yeah. if we can do that, I will put the tickets back on sale um, and hopefully get into a larger space. I personally don't want to be in the larger space because I'm afraid of how it's going to sound. Yeah, I agree with you. But um, actually – um, in that, in the Floyd Norman documentary, they're in the room that I'm talking about. When they, when ah. they give him like the, the cake and when the ladies behind him, like, no, it's his birthday. We're right. all going to sing. Cha, cha, cha. That, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's the, that's the, the big the room. Guest, yeah. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. That's the room that, that, okay. that we could potentially be in. If, oh, okay. Um, but anyway, so the numbers are there. Don't get freaked out about them, but you know, buy your ticket so we know. So if you're planning on going, please don't wait. To buy your ticket, it would help me out uh, because I'm losing more of my hair. <laughs> but anyway, um, there's that. Okay. Feedback, Taryn. Feedback us, girl. Okie dokie. Uh, the first one is from Matthew. And he says, I just found this small article about gold-dusted churros that uh, will be served during Pirates of the Caribbean 50th anniversary celebration. Mm-hmm. Just wanted to get Terrence's reaction to this, if he has one. Is he excited, or is this blasphemy? Oh, <laughs> super excited. There was um, a listener in the park last week who uh, took pictures and sent them to me. Yeah. Super jealous. I'm sorry. What, gold? Gold. Like real? Like flakes? Or no, like no. golden colored. Okay. Gold dusted. I was like, oh, like, like gold schlager. Gold. <laughs> that was literally exactly oh, what I was thinking. I'll take I was a gold like, churro. Yeah, I'll be four hundred dollars, please. Bottles of gold schlager, like thirty bucks. I oh my gosh, bleh. you guys. Sometimes I shouldn't talk. <laughs> Probably not. Oh boy. Sorry, sorry. That was real stupid. No, I'm excited about right. that. I think it will be. I, I think it's awesome. They looked super cool too. So yeah, I haven't seen a photo that I didn't think looked yellow. So I'm really curious to see what they look like in person because okay. so far I've been like, I don't, it doesn't really look that good to me. Okay. Well, I'll buy 12 when we okay, go down there in September. <laughs> you can see them then. Perfect. 
Uh, and then the next one, uh, this is from our friend Dan Shaw. Dan? <laughs> oh, I don't know if I was, usually say his last name, but anyway. Yeah, um, he's sure he's telling us about this opera. He says it's called The Perfect American, and it's an opera by Philip Glass about the last days of Walt Disney's life. As a huge fan of both your show and Philip Glass, I can already tell you that Jason is going to hate it. It is, it's going to be done in strange meters with lots of repetition and probably be super dark with imagery that's both stark and complicated at the same time. Also, that Jason will hate it. Uh, but You don't think I can deal with complicated imagery? <laughs> but maybe fill him with some of that bougie beer I see him drinking, and he might at least tolerate it. Wow. Bougie. Burn. Man and bougie. Bougie. <laughs> Raindrop. Drop top. <laughs> As with all things Philip Glass, it is definitely not for everyone. Uh, the calling card of every music snob, which I openly admit I am, but it's Disney-related, so someone out there will probably find it interesting. Uh, and then he gave a link that... I can post on Instagram or something. Um, I'm going to watch what I can of it. Glass operas tend to challenge the attention span uh, to almost a breaking point, which I get is the whole purpose of them. But this music snob sometimes can't make it. I'll update with thoughts review if you'd like. Um, I know. And then he talks about getting wordy. Uh, thanks for making me feel a little bit more normal of a person once <laughs> once or twice a month. Norm. <laughs> um, although it's clear that we're all mad here. Peace, love. Peace, love. Dan. And then I thought I would do, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just sort of pepper in some of our iTunes reviews while I'm doing feedback every once in a while, cause oh, I, I went it. through them and some of them are just awesome. Pretty good? Yeah. Right. Um, so first of all, we have five stars, like across Word. the board. Although there are a few, <laughs> there's, right. there's, a, there's like our one, aggregate two. rating is, we're not historians. But yeah. Right. Oh um, so this is a, here's one of them. This is a five star review. Uh, from February 2017. I love this podcast. Everyone is so hilarious and fun. What I love the most is they're not Disney robots. If they don't like something about the park or are not a fan of a change happening, they'll tell you their opinion and are unapologetic. That's right. <laughs> I don't care. They have amazing insight uh, for your next Disney vacation as well as amazing history lessons from different lands, windows, and Walt, Dis- and Walt himself. Not to mention, Terrence Thinks is my favorite. But just overall, my favorite Disneyland podcast by far. Awesome. Oh, thank you. Who said that? Uh, hey, hey. Trish House. <laughs> no, that would be my mom. Yeah, no. uh, I don't think she knows how to use iTunes. Uh, hey, 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 98380. Okay, well, if things are yes. I know, but I was hoping it was like a fret, like a, like a, like a name. Bill. Yeah. <laughs> that would have been fine. IP uh, address 162. Right. Sorry. And so this will be the other one that I read today. Um, okay. It's a three star, and they say, do they really like Disney? <laughs> I've listened to several episodes, and it seems that they do, that, that it seems like they do more criticizing than anything else. I get the need to express both sides of an argument, but they just don't seem to like Disney much. Which I think is really funny because I could see funny. that. I yeah. could totally see it, especially when when was I mean it. That was 2016 yep. June. Yeah, we went through yep. a phase, m- mostly me. Um, yeah. But it's okay because like obviously fine. we have a podcast. We obviously love Disney, but right. the more you love something, the more you criticize it. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh my gosh, I wish you guys could have seen oh the look she just gosh. shot at Jason. Oh, that, that was so, so good. Great. Oh, <laughs> thanks, Taryn. <laughs> Appreciate it. Set it free. (laughs) Rob it of all of its its intrinsic self value. Yeah. (laughs) Break it down and build it up again. Yeah. You can't build it up until you break it down. Right. If it still doesn't love you, chuck it out. Bin it. Get out of here. 
<laughs> you guys are the worst. Um, <laughs> do we even love Disney? Yeah. Yeah. We I mean, do. that's why we go back. But, uh, you know, hey, look, they don't do everything right. You're and, right. uh, you know, again, and neither do we. Our opinions aren't. They're just opinions. They're not they're always, yeah, they're, they're, they're not always good. No. <laughs> no. Man, I got a, uh. Um, their opinions. I got a, uh, a YouTube comment <laughs> from some dude and, and I, I hit it. Um, I tried to just block him from posting, but I like hit all the comments. I didn't mean to, cause I don't, I'm unabashed. Like, right. if you don't like the show, I'll tell you that you can not listen to it. I'll give you a refund. Like, it's fine. It's right. free. Don't, don't worry about it. But it was on the, um, it was on the, what show was it, Taryn? The, uh, history of the, um, shoot. Um, it was, it was an older one. Let me see if I can. I don't remember. My God, this is a stupid story now because I can't even remember the context. You know of what the that argument. was? It, a good story. <laughs> See, I cool don't. Story, I don't get insulted by it. Um, but he was talking about uh, it was uh, like Tokyo Disney Sea and stuff like that. Okay. It's like way back when, right? Okay. It's a long okay. time ago. Yeah. Um, okay. and, uh, Taryn was like, I think that they're, t- like, they're next door, or I think that you have to take a boat to get to one of them, or whatever. Like, some off the cuff comment. <laughs> right. And bro just, like, hyper focused from an hour and a half show, he picked that thing wow. to write about and was like, I'm not even the world's most authoritative figure on Disney, but do these guys even do any research? It, uh, if you didn't know that, like, uh, the original, uh, Concept for Soren was a World War II thing, and blah blah blah. Even I know that, and they don't do any. Re- and then, and then, and then Tokyo Disney Sea, and I'm like, so I just wrote him back. I was like, you're really cool then. And then I, and then I listened to the show, and I was like, go ahead, turn. It was Disney and the rides that never were. There you That's go. All. And um, uh, I was like, I, I listened to the show because it's like over a year ago. It was like right. February 16. Right. I don't remember any of this, but clearly Taryn was just making some comment that was incorrect. I go, entire books are written, textbooks in schools are written with incorrect information. Right. It happens. Don't worry about it. Right. And then I was also asking for sources that he used. I'm like, because we looked online and we couldn't see anything. And I just double checked to make sure before I posted it. And then we just went back and forth. It was a real mature conversation. (laughs) Um, But I don't. I guess I, I don't know. I don't care. Like if you want to, if you want to uh, in, insult us, or if you don't like the show and you want to say, "Hey, I don't like the show," that's fine. I'm right. not going to get on your case for it. Right. But if you just the only thing you say is a negative thing about some weird off the cuff thing, and then you 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 cite a fact being as being incorrect as to what you know, but you refuse to let us know how you found that information out or even right. approach it at all, I'm gonna kind of twist it a little bit. I feel you. Yeah, and. Um, and it got twisted <laughs> a little right. bit, and uh, he called me mature, and that was cool. Uh, I was like, "Dude, you haven't like I, you know, yeah, we did the research. I can't find any information about what you're saying. So if you could tell me, that would be great." Right. And then I wrote back here, let me give you a refund. <laughs> nice. Yeah. I don't know. Nice. All right. But I think, but I guess the point is, this guy he was everything that's wrong with the internet. It's people just use it as a platform to cry about stuff. And, you know, if you want to leave feedback for somebody, feedback is not just criticism. Feedback is actual, like, here's what could help. If you're just here to attack and accuse, then, then get off the internet. Don't I talk do. to me. Don't listen to my show. If you're just going to criticize it, don't listen to it. I don't care. I really don't care. I do, but I don't. <laughs> um, but if you want... You do, but you don't want to. Right. If, if you want to help... Totally willing to listen to actual feedback, but criticism, I, you know, it, the internet's full of it. 
anyway, this guy was what's wrong with the internet, <laughs> and he had a hyphenated last name. Um, so forget about this guy. You guys are so judgy. No, no, I'm. Look, no offense to any good listeners who have <laughs> hyphenated last names, yeah. but I worked in the medical field, and when we saw the hyphenated names come through, we knew it was going to be something. <laughs> something good. So- something. <laughs> okay. Uh, are we done, Taryn? Yeah. Okay. Well, let's get the fact of the show, um, and then I get to go rest, and then we got to make our drink oh, for I, the secret I, show. I got this. <laughs> Guys, really do we have ice? Crushed ice. We have crushed ice. Well, it's, it, it's, it's not crushed, it's blended ice. Okay. Blended ice. Yeah, that's okay. Uh, the fact of the show, the idea for Soarin' Over California came from an erector set. Uh, not the idea of the attraction itself, but the concept for the complex mechanism that really makes you feel like it's Soarin'. At one point, the company who currently owns the erector brand asked the Disney Imagineer who built the original set if they could have it to make a copy. What they actually did, uh, what they actually ended up doing was keeping the erector model and sending him back new pieces so that he could build it again for himself. Oh, nice. how funny. We got a couple That's facts really cool. in there. Yeah. Um, okay, everybody, thank you very much. That's the show. Uh, I want to thank Michael and Eric. You can go to uh, floydnormanmovie.com. Don't forget to buy the Blu-ray edition of this movie. Screen it on Netflix if you want to also. Five-star that thing because it's awesome. Oh, it's so good. Um, and then when you buy your Blu-ray, because there's a bunch of features on it that aren't included in the Netflix version, uh, you know, like it's like Blu-ray, but also a lot of cool stuff. Uh, don't forget to take a photo of you holding the thing. Hashtag floitering. And you'll get it once you watch this movie. It's really great. And Michael and Eric were awesome to, to take a bunch of time to talk to us. I appreciate that. Of course, thank you to Jeremy uh, from Spectro. You can go to spectroradio.us and uh, get all your, your Disney movie. Disney movie? Yeah, that's <laughs> Get all your Disney music. Uh, get your Disney music fix, man. And uh, we're going to talk to Jeremy here in a bit. Anyway, um, until next time, everyone, we'll see you in the parks.